Good morning. I'm Mark, and welcome to our series, Future Hope. Uh, I love the graphic art. Uh, it's quite a challenge to artistically illustrate the idea of hope. Uh, they did a great job. Hope, isn't, hope is not easy to illustrate, but I think we had a beautiful demonstration up here on stage just now. Uh, when Joe and Casey are standing here with baby Caroline, there's so much hope in their hearts. And um, as Casey is growing into the little girl that God designed her to be, hope is a beautiful thing uh, for grandparents too. Uh, just ask Patty and Carl, they feel it. <clears throat> Did you know that hope is a basic need? In fact, hope is one of the top three basic needs. Do you know what the top three are? The top three needs are faith, hope, and love. <clears throat> we all need faith, which is the same thing as trust. Uh, we all need to trust somebody. Trust is the basic building block of every relationship. And faith is when we put our trust in God. <clears throat> we all need hope. We all need something to look forward to. People literally cannot live without it. And we all need love. These are what make life worth living, right? If you think about it, we're all looking forward to something. <clears throat> we're all hoping for something. Do you know what it is that you're looking forward to? For some of us, we're looking forward to where we're going to eat lunch after church. Am I right? <laughs> some of you are looking forward to some downtime with family on the weekend. If you're single, maybe you're looking forward to some time with a special person. We're all looking forward to something, even if it's nothing. Maybe we're just looking forward to a time of rest after a busy week. Hope is so important. We all hope for something. We're all looking forward to something. And today I want you to think about what is it that you hope for? <coughs> what is it that you want? <coughs> and if we're honest, sometimes we put our hope in little things. Little things like maybe my next paycheck and what I can do with it. Or maybe you're hoping mom and dad will say yes to that thing that you want or that something that you want to do. But have you ever noticed how after you finally get what you want, the satisfaction doesn't last? It's almost as if once you get it, the newness fades away. And then we need something new again. It's one of the reasons that we're tempted to go from relationship to relationship. It's one of the reasons that things don't satisfy. <laughs> May I suggest that God has a better way, a way that is lasting and grows over time. God has something you can look forward to, and you will not be disappointed. Are you ready for the word? <clears throat> okay, this series covers the book of 1 Thessalonians. Today we're in chapter 5. What is hope? How would you define it? Hope is a positive feeling 
because you believe that good things are going to happen. Hope is a positive feeling because you believe that good things are going to happen. So, based on this definition, how would you rate your level of hope? On a scale of 1 to 10, and 10 being high, how would you rate your level of hope? Go ahead and give yourself a rating. <clears throat> Got one? Now earlier, I mentioned that sometimes we put our hope in little things. And by the way, <coughs> there's nothing wrong with that. But I want to encourage you to think bigger. Of all the things you hope for, what is the greatest thing that you hope for? Now, don't say it out loud, but in your mind, what's the greatest thing that you hope for? You got something? Okay. Now, hold that thought. And I'm going to read from 1 Thessalonians. And I'd like you to compare your hope with what the Word of God says in 1 Thessalonians. Here we go. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God. First, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Then, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. Now concerning how and when this will all happen, dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write to you, for you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly, like a thief in the night. So be on your guard, not asleep like others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us. <coughs> so that whether <clears throat> we are dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him forever. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. Now, I don't know what you had in mind when I asked, what do you look forward to? But, uh, but God offers an amazing hope, an eternal destiny with him. And the word of God reveals so much about our world and what will happen. You could spend a lifetime learning about it. And here's a short list of passages in the Word of God revealing prophetic insight about the history of the world. We'll go ahead and put that up on the screen there. Now, this list is not exhaustive. Uh, there's more. But these are some of the main passages that reveal God's plan. Now, if you read these passages by themselves, each one is just a piece of the puzzle. By themselves, you can't make out the prophetic picture. By themselves, you can't see the whole timeline. But if you study all of these and you put them together, here's what you get. Armin put this chart up a couple months ago. Um, this is God's prophetic plan. Before Christ, we had the Old Testament. After Jesus' ascension, and then Pentecost, the church was birthed, and now here we are in the church age, the age of grace. At some point in time, we don't know when, the Lord is going to take the church up to be with him in the heavenlies. 
And then the earth is going to go through a seven-year period of tribulation like it has never seen. And the Bible says, if the Lord had not come back, all of life would be destroyed. It's going to be so chaotic. But at the end of that seven-year period, the Lord will return and he'll rule on the earth for a thousand-year period while Satan is bound in the bottomless pit. And we will be ruling with him during the millennium. And then at the end of that thousand years, Satan will be released and amazingly, a multitude of people are going to join him to fight against the Lord in the battle of Armageddon. And if you've read the end of the book, you know the story. He wins the battle and he sets up his eternal kingdom and we are with him forever in the new heaven and the new earth. In summary, out of the kingdom of man, God is developing a kingdom for himself. He's building and he's battling and he's not about to lose. Perhaps you saw this meme circulating in social media. Don't worry about the delta. We have the alpha and the omega. Yeah. Even in a seemingly worst case scenario of sickness and death, God's plan for you is assured. Nothing will stop his plan for your future. Not fear, not sickness, not even death. If ever there was a time when we needed a message of hope, this is it. The biggest, baddest bully in our daily news is sickness and death. But Jesus took those bullies underground for three days and came up as the winner. And if you allow his spirit to live in you, and if you allow his spirit to live through you, then Jesus shares his life, he shares his freedom, and he shares his victory with you. That is hope right there. The hope of his spirit working in you and through you, no matter what comes your way, no matter what. You know what happened to Daniel is a great illustration. Most of us know the story of Daniel in the lion's den. His contemporaries, they were jealous. They wanted to get rid of him. They set up a scheme for him to be under capital punishment. Some really bad dudes. I mean, politics gets very ugly when you're next to the king. I want to show you a picture. The artist took the liberty to tell the story a certain way. And I'd like you to notice what Daniel is doing. What is his response? Daniel is not looking at the lions. He's looking to God. And this is an important reminder for us because the lions represent our problems. Our hope in God doesn't mean that we're problem-free. Our hope is in the fact that God is with us and with his help, we will be able to overcome the problems that we're facing. You can hope because like Daniel, your story with God <laughs> turns out <laughs> to be really good. <laughs> turns out to be really good. Now, of course, that's easier said than done because there are some obstacles. There are some things we have to overcome. And this morning, I'd like to bring our attention to one of them. For many different reasons, 
we can feel sad. If not outwardly, perhaps inwardly. Somewhere deep inside. And it's a collection of things that happen to us. And then we get hurt and we get discouraged. And in our struggle to try and make the best of it, sometimes we lower our expectations because we don't want to be disappointed again. And all of these creep into our expectations. My expectations about myself, my expectations about others, even my expectations about God, and my expectations about life. And in order to make sense of it all, we can even justify the way that we think. And it becomes a part of our belief system. It, it kind of goes like this. <clears throat> well, you know, the Bible says it's better to be humble and to be like Jesus, so I should deny myself. Because we all know worldly pleasures are vain, and so it's okay. I don't have to be happy. I'll just take up my cross and follow Jesus. And you know, it all sounds so spiritual. But you know, the problem with that kind of thinking, the problem with that attitude, is it doesn't take into account the whole counsel of God's word. <clears throat> the Bible says we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And if you find yourself naturally just kind of thinking a certain way, chances are it's not part of the transformation. Yes, we are to be humble, but the Bible also says God will lift up the humble. James 4.10, humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. 1 Peter 5.6, therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. Those are good reasons to hope. Yes, Jesus taught us to follow him and to deny ourselves. But why did Jesus do that? Why did Jesus go to the cross? Why? The Bible says he endured the pain and the suffering. Why? For the joy set before him. He knew three days later he would overcome. Yes, we are to deny ourselves, but he who loses his life for Jesus' sake will gain it. That's a reason for hope. Yes, worldly pleasures are vain, but it doesn't mean that pleasure altogether is bad. God designed you for pleasure, and the ways of God offer pleasure that leave no regret. This is all just a way of saying to you, it's okay to be happy in God. It's okay. You're supposed to be let me say that stronger. You're supposed to be happy in God. Psalm 37, 4, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. There are many verses like this. Uh, it's the whole reason we worship when we gather. All the songs we sing are filled with the message of hope. Now I want to circle back for a moment. I'm talking about an obstacle to hope. 
And I'm going to explain how you can overcome that obstacle. And these are steps that all of us can do. <clears throat> the obstacle is that we get hurt. And then we get disappointed. And the enemy of our soul tempts us to believe that hope and happiness are not for you. But it's a lie. And that's the first step. We need to recognize the lie of the enemy. And once we recognize it, we have already taken the first step to overcome it. If you recognize an ungodly thought, an ungodly belief, you can just go to God in prayer and place it on the cross along with all the other sins and ask the Lord to crucify it, to bring it to death. So that way of thinking no longer has a place in my heart. It no longer is at play in my life. And this is a very important step. It's a very important step because Jesus is the one who cleanses us from ungodly things. It's not my self-effort. It's not my positive thinking. And then the next step is to ask the Lord to replace the lie with his thoughts. Meditate on his word. Hold on to what God says. And as you do, as God is at work in you, I want to encourage you to be free about telling other people what God's doing inside. Because people can't see it. They don't know. But the more you share your encounters with God and what he's doing, the more you will, the more you will experience encounters with God. You know, we were meant to be a river where the source is flowing through, not a reservoir where we contain it and hold it to ourselves. And, and just experiment with that. Just give that a try. And the more you give away, the more you receive. And so out of that, I want to invite us to encourage each other. Husbands and wives, one of you is feeling down. The other... Listen to your spouse's heart. Hear them. Feel it. Walk with them in it. And then turn toward the Lord together. If you're both feeling down, husbands, take initiative. Lead. Put a spiritual spin on the situation and help both of you turn toward the Lord and invite him in whatever it is that you're challenged by. If a friend sends you a text message, and he says, hey, I'm not doing too well. Don't text back. Make a voice call. Women with women, men with men, but make a voice call and talk it through. Invite the Lord into the conversation. Pray together and trust God for the results. This is what we do. This is who we are. We are God's people, people of hope. And so, I want to summarize what I just shared about how we can encourage each other. These are important things. You can take a picture of it if you want, but it's important that you recognize the things that are not from God. Although, and, until we recognize them, they kind of have free reign. They have free play in our lives. We've got to recognize it to get victory over it. And then take it to the cross and ask the Lord to replace it with the truth. And then as you're experiencing God renewing you on the inside, share that experience with others. And you will find, you will find that your encounters with God and what he's doing will increase. And through that, we encourage each other. And so we'll close with this verse. The writer of Hebrews 
says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have exceeded our expectations in meeting our needs for trust, for hope, for love. Lord, it's why we're here today. We've been touched and we know there's more. And so God, we come to you with our present circumstances. And we invite you to enter in. We invite you to intercede. We invite you to superintend over the details. As we put our trust in you. And Lord, we're looking forward to how you'll be at work in us and through us to be able to overcome the challenges that we face. If you would keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'd like to address a handful who may be here today. And as you're hearing me talk about experiencing God, perhaps that's something that you've been thinking about lately. Perhaps you feel like God's been getting your attention. And you're thinking, you know what, it feels like something's not quite right, something's missing. And I'm thinking maybe it's my relationship with God. And so you've been kind of searching. And if that describes you, but you've never actually made a conscious choice or a formal decision to invite God into your life, I'd like to give you an opportunity to do that. And it's real simple. It just starts with the desire of your heart and expressing that to God, which is prayer. And so in a moment, I'll pray out loud and you can just hitchhike on my words, God will hear you. But before I pray, I'd like to know who I'm praying with. And so if that's something that you would like to do, I have a signal, which is if you would simply look up, then when my eyes meet yours, I'll know that we're gonna pray together. And so if that describes you, go ahead and look up and then we'll pray together in a moment. today. I'm just going to pray for everybody else. God, I thank you for how you're at work. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in each person's heart. Lord, I bless it and I ask your Holy Spirit to seal it. And I thank you that you will complete the good work that you began. And we thank you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week.
Elevated cause you made 